Okay. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Wildcats podcast. We're going to talk about the evils and maybe the necessities of the transfer portal going forward and what it means to the University of Arizona. You are Locked On Wildcats. Your daily podcast on the Arizona Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for listening to Locked On Wildcats podcast brought to you, or, uh, well, there we go. All right, Arizona basketball right now is in the midst of trying to fill its roster with the transfer portal. We've been over a bunch of different names, but when we're going to talk about a few of those names and what those players can really provide. But on top of that, we're going to talk about the transfer portal itself. Joined by the venerable John Schuster, I am merely Mike Luke. All right, Schuster, before I begin, we're going to talk about quite a bit of this, but what is your take on the transfer portal, yay or nay, or maybe in between? Oh, I don't know. I, 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 after a while, you get beyond the point of yay or nay, and it's one of those things that you just have to deal with. Right. I think the transfer portal and NIL just fall under the category of things that at this stage you have to tolerate. Do I think it's better for the game? No. Uh, I certainly don't think it's better for the game. And again, I've talked about this on this uh, on this platform on a number of occasions. I don't have anything per se against the portal. I don't have anything per se against NIL. Let's right. talk about the portal first. The but what's going to happen with the portal is that for fans of college basketball, and that's who we're talking to. We're talking to fans of college basketball or fans of college sports in general. I think you're going to see a lesser product in the early in up to as much as and maybe more the first half of the basketball season i think there are going to be a lot of games that just aren't very aesthetically pleasing because it's difficult for coaches to try to re-recruit and then basically throw entire rosters together right some coaches are better at this than others which is fine hey you've got to adapt or die um, I think generally speaking, John Calipari is very good at this sort of thing. He rotates his teams on a yearly basis anyway. I think Dana Altman at Oregon is a guy who's basically been utilizing the transfer portal for the entirety of his career at Oregon. Last year, notwithstanding, more often than not, Oregon, I think, is the template of what you're going to see across college basketball, especially with good basketball teams, a team that you can't figure out why they're so God awful and inconsistent in November, December, and January. And then by mid February, again, last year, notwithstanding, but generally speaking, all of a sudden Oregon's one of the 10 better teams in the country. That is, I think the dynamic that you're going to see. And I think for fans, especially early on, and especially in a world of instant gratification, where it frustrates you what happens when, let's use Arizona as an example, in, on November 1st, and they play what looks like a good basketball game, right. and then three days later they play a crappy basketball game, and then two days after that they're slightly better, and four days after that they're way worse. Uh, you know, it can become a maddening thing, I think, from a viewing standpoint, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think that aspect of it, from November December into a good portion of January, I think is going to affect the quality of the product. Now, 
do we get to a point at the end of the year where it's about the same and to some degree March Madness is all we care about college basketball anyway? Yeah, perhaps we do. But the road to get to that point, I think, is going to be a heck of a lot more bumpy for a lot of college basketball and therefore frustrating for a lot of college basketball fans who like the idea of watching 40 games a year. All right. I, you know, Arizona benefited, obviously, from the transfer portal last year. You could also say that uh, what the transfer portal giveth, it taketh away as well. Because if you look at a, uh, guys that weren't even on the roster last year for Arizona, whether that was James Akinjo, whether that was Terrell Brown, whether that was Jordan Brown, Jamal Baker, you had a lot of guys that played in the NCAA tournament, were all league, all conference in their own division. Arizona also came back, though, and you got a player like Apello Larson. You got an Umar Ballo. Coming up, I want to talk about what Arizona should try to get out of the transfer portal. But one thing, though, that you don't need to ever worry about getting out of the transfer portal is Built Bar. Because Built Bar isn't in the transfer portal because everyone wants Built Bar. Everyone is screaming for Built Bar. If there was an NIL for Built Bar, it would be $10 billion. That's what we're talking about right now. It tastes good. It's uh, it's good before you go to the gym. Schuster likes the blueberry. I like the blueberry as well. Get some Built Bar before you go to the gym. It tastes like candy. We will be right back with you. Thanks for keeping it locked on Wildcats. I'm your host, Mike Luke. All right, you had an interesting theory, and this dovetails into Arizona, uh, Arizona a little bit. But Gonzaga, where Tommy Lloyd obviously came from before, tell about how you think that the NIL and the transfer portal is actually going to benefit uh, uh, Gonzaga and we'll get to Arizona then being that's where Tommy Lloyd just was in ways sure. that maybe some others, maybe some shallow sided people don't see. What I, uh, the way that I view this to a large degree, I think what you're looking for now more than ever is teams that can balance good college basketball talent with the ability to keep a roster relatively intact. Those are fairly difficult things to do, and I think therein lies the uh, concern uh, for a lot of college ba- some of the college basketball juggernauts. The turnover at the Kansases and the Kentuckys, et cetera, is going to be uh, significant. A place like Gonzaga that already has tapped into the foreign market, I think, can keep players perhaps a little bit longer. That creates a little bit of continuity. And then if they can add some quality talent that bolsters the roster here and there, I think uh, that that is the type of model that is going to be more successful. It's not one of the – I remember there was a lot of discussion many years ago about when college became a one-and-done sport and could teams that have more experience maybe work their way into the equation right. a little bit. But that difference never really played itself out because the one-and-dones were still a little bit better. But Gonzaga, I think, is in a unique world here in that they get quality talent that can play with anyone on a national level. So I don't know that this is necessarily going to help Creighton, per se, but I think Gonzaga is so ahead of the curve here that it does help them. They get legitimate uh, college basketball slash often NBA talent uh, from the foreign market. They can keep that talent longer. They're not going to jump generally to another school. And as a result of that, I think that continuity and talent can go a long way toward helping them out. And it's a model that a lot of coaches, I think, are going to have to keep an eye on. I believe as a result, Gonzaga is going to be extraordinarily successful over the course 
of the next decade because they're going to be able to manage this a little bit better than a lot of other teams uh, do. What I think, Mike, I'm sorry. No, you're good. Go ahead. With the, I, I think a lot of people have this fallacy belief that NIL is going to pay so much to some specific athletes that they're just going to forego the NBA altogether and they're going to decide to come back to school for year two or year three. Right. And, and the reality is that we can argue and probably will before some of these broadcasts are gone, whether player A should have put his name into the draft or not. Right. But the reality is that kids don't want to go to school. Kids don't, you, you know, if you've got an NBA possibility or a pro possibility ahead of you, if you've got money now, you take it at 20, you're not worrying about what happens at the age of 25. Right. And, and none of that, if your dream is to play at a higher level, you're probably not going to put that dream on hold just to sort of break even, even as good as the college experience ultimately is. So, so, so I think using the one player at Kentucky as an example of how right. NIL is going to change the entire that's the exception that proves that level, the rule. I think that's correct. Yeah. Uh, all so, right. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no. You're right. Um, I, I agree with all. I agree with all that. I think with Arizona, I think you're going to see a little bit of a mixture here. And the Gonzaga, I think you're exactly right. Is going to carve out a a very unique terrain as it has. Let's be honest. In college basketball for 20 years, they were the ones that were on the forefront of bringing in the foreign level or foreign type players. I can see them doing exactly what you're saying right now as well. Now, when it comes to Arizona, do you think? Arizona could take a similar type approach or is Arizona a basketball entity where you really don't need to take that kind of approach? Well, I think you need to take, I, I think it's wise to take that kind of approach if you can do it. The problem, I'm going to put problem in air quotes here because to a large degree, it's a good problem to have. I think Arizona can get more traditional athletes than Gonzaga can recruit, even though Gonzaga is a better program and has been for the last 15 years. Right. Uh, so Arizona, the thing that Arizona has to navigate, they want to be, I think, more athletic, more physical, all of those uh, stereotypical terminologies. Uh, but what comes with a lot of that is that when you have one and done NBA talent, you've really got to work hard to be able to try to garner some continuity as well. And you have to work especially hard to keep people within the program. Uh, right. and, and transferring from somewhere else. And that's going to be an interesting test with Tommy Lloyd to see who likes playing here once the inevitable inevitable possibility of a transfer takes hold. And I don't know that we have that answer yet. I think Arizona is a very uh, beneficial de destination. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of players out there like what like Lloyd's offense, like the idea of playing in Lloyd's offense, and therefore like the idea of coming to Arizona. Uh, so that should be a benefit. Can Lloyd right. keep some of those players? I don't know. And how quickly does continuity take hold to try to make all of this work? That remains to be seen as well. As great as the honeymoon was for Tommy Lloyd last year, there still remain a lot of questions about whether he can coach and how effective he can be and how well he can navigate uncharted terrain in the college level. Right. All right. Let's take a quick break right here. Now we're going to talk about the kind of players that we'd like to see Arizona target in the transfer portal. You're listening to Locked On Wildcats. Thanks for keeping it locked on Wildcats. I'm your host, Mike Luke. All right, Chu. Um, you can't really, and I think there's this misnomer now among certain U of A fans that are saying, all right, you lost Dalen Terry. 
or Dallin Terry. You lost um, Ben Matherin, Julius uh, Tabellis. Or so Ben Matherin. Yeah, Ben Matherin, you know. So just go find another one. Here's what people need. don't – generally the guys in the portal I think are in the portal for two reasons. And each time I say portal, I immediately think porta potty I don't know why, but I think porta potty Generally, guys are in the portal for one of two reasons. First, they are maybe just not good enough for where they're at. Um, maybe use a guy like Anumar Ballo as an example. Um, Ballo was obviously good enough to play against Zaga. He's good enough to play anywhere. I think he showed that, but I don't think a lot of people knew how good maybe Ballo was. Then there's the guys that just want to get out of here, so go somewhere where they can showcase their skills. Maybe a guy like a Terrell Brown Jr., who you know was played for Sean Miller for a year, which must have been like being in prison because he went from averaging six points to averaging 22 points per game. And he's looking to showcase his skills. I think those are generally the two type of guys that are in the portal right there. Um, when it comes to Arizona, Arizona's in a unique spot because I don't believe it's a national title contender next year. I think they take a step back, but I don't know that there's – I don't know that there's players in the portal that you can replace a Daylon Terry with or Ben Matherin with. And I think everybody's just saying, well, just go find somebody like that. That's still not quite how the portal works. Well, the just go find somebody has to work on, I think, to a large degree, if you're trying to get the best available talent. And this is why Arizona was in kind of an interesting position last year. They went through a coaching change. And I think a lot of the players that other coaches are going to try to pluck uh, and, and try to recruit will come from coaching turnover situations because maybe those are the schools where you can get a little bit better talent because that player is uncertain about what the new regime is. The players that you rattled off for Arizona that turned out to be very good at other programs uh, didn't know exactly how they fit in with Tommy Lloyd. Understandable. Right. So my guess is that there may be a bunch of guys up at Villanova uh, who don't know how they're going to fit in with the new guy at, uh, you know, now that Jay Wright has gone. Or, you know, does Shire work for them at Duke? Right. Uh, there are you know, So what, you're, what I think part of the strategy is going to be, I think most of what you say about the portal is correct. Generally what it comes down to is that players are frustrated with playing time. So the avenue to look at here, the strategy to approach, is where is there a coaching change? Where is there talent um, that, that, that's maybe better than general portal talent? Uh, from programs that are going through a change and and try to pluck one or two of them to fill out the roster and improve it a little bit that way. Yeah, but I think Lloyd also is a smart guy and that the guys that he was able to get last year certainly did. I mean, Pella Larson, I thought was terrible to start the season. Um, and Well, you know, it was terrible to start the season. Thank you. Thank you. I agree with that. Uh, and after but, he was injured, I mean, in fairness to him, he was injured. It took him a while to recover from the injury, and he obviously got a lot better. But at the beginning of the year, you're, you're right. He was terrible at the beginning of the year. And Tommy Lloyd obviously knew some. Tommy Lloyd, there's a reason that, you know, Sean Schuster basically stamped him in and said, this is the kind of guy we want here. There's a reason that he is getting a raise, and there's a reason that I am sitting here in my living room with an A over my left shoulder. But – he knew, obviously knew something. He knew that he was very comfortable with what he got from Pella Larson. He also talked about before the year that Umar Ballo was going to be a guy that was going to be able to contribute. I didn't see that from Umar Ballo. Personally, I thought that Umar Ballo, like we've talk, talked about before, was going to be a little bit of roster filler. Lo and behold, these guys turned out to be very integral parts. My question, though, is this. Can you win at the highest level if – 
three of your top six players are transfer portal guys because it seems to me that the transfer portal guys generally are coming with not a major issue, but there's a reason that they're at said school. Yeah. Uh, can you? It depends on how good the other three of the six, I guess, are. Right. Uh, and, and if you've got a good core there and this other core fills it out, that's kind of what Arizona did, then, yeah, you can improve your position. One of the things about Arizona, and I think there's this, because they lost in the second weekend of the tournament, we look back and we say, well, you know, Arizona really wasn't as good as we thought they were the entirety of the season. Yeah, they were. I mean, they, they that's the nature of the It was a bad matchup. It was a tough day. And it was, well, yes, which, hey, we thought going into the tournament, Kentucky was good enough to win it, and so was Tennessee. The reality, and so was Gonzaga. Well, I had different opinions about Gonzaga, but nevertheless. The, the point is that a lot of teams that are capable of winning the national title or, or making deep tournament runs don't. That doesn't mean that throughout the course of the year you weren't as good as people thought right. you were. Arizona, coming into the tournament, was picked by a bunch of experts to win the title. Right. So even though they lost two games, you know, in, in, in their third game in, it happens. That's uh, so Arizona did last year a very nice job of uh, having a good roster talent, filling depth with those transfers, and then being able to develop that and get the continuity of the system into place faster than I think a lot of us anticipated. And I think those are going to be the keys for Lloyd and for other coaches moving forward. How long does it take to get players to understand what it is you're trying to accomplish? And how long does it take for you to figure out who fits better into certain circumstances? Was Tommy Lloyd in a weird way kind of a victim of his own success last year in that he, he, Arizona was so much better than everybody thought, you know, pretty much right out the gate and number one seed, number two overall seed. And now people are panicking that Arizona's only going to be like 19th in the country next year in the preseason polls. No, I mean, I, I mean, if, if people want to panic about Arizona being 19th in a preseason poll in the second year of a coaching regime, that's just insta talk. You know, we'll see how much better. I suspect that as the year progresses, that Arizona's going to have a regular season that's a little bit better than people suspect. I right. figure Arizona will may not win the conference, but will finish second or third, and people will, will will be astonished somewhere along the line when this team beats other opponents by thirty now and again. Right? There's still talent on the roster. They're still pretty good. Uh, you know, we have this we have this odd tendency in. Yeah, I mean, usually to some degree it comes to fruition. We have this odd tendency of projecting exactly what's going to happen throughout the course of the year. We're in bleep in June right now. Right. I don't know what's going to happen next February and March. Maybe, maybe Arizona's ahead of the curve. We find out in years like this how good a coach you are, how good you are at putting a team together, and how good you are at getting that team to understand what it is it's supposed to do. This is something that Lute Olson excelled at. This is something where this is an area where I think Sean Miller struggled. All right. I agree with everything that he said there. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about the Azulis Tabellis injury, a uh, little bit of Kirk Creesa, um, how far historically you can go with guys like that, maybe being your best player. For John Schuster, I'm Mike Luke. You've been listening to Locked On Wildcats.